Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell, and I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. I'm delighted to welcome as our guest today David Ludwig, Dr. David Ludwig, who's a pediatrician and researcher at Children's Hospital Boston and on the faculty of the Harvard Medical School. Uh, he's the first John Fielding Kriegler and Mary Adele Sippel Kriegler Chair in Pediatric Endocrinology at the Harvard Medical School and is a widely cited researcher in areas of childhood obesity and nutrition. Uh, his training is in pediatrics um, and has a PhD in, tell me. Microbiology. Okay, I should have known that, but uh, thank you for correcting me. And uh, has published widely in the, the best journals in the field on issues of childhood obesity and nutrition, and is really one of the pioneers in the field, both on the, the intervention side and on the side of prevention. So, David, welcome. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here at the Mecca of Nutrition and Health. <laughs> well, that's nice of you to say that. So we're going to do three podcasts today. We're going to do one on childhood obesity, one on sugared beverage consumption, and the other on the glycemic index. So let's start with childhood obesity. Um, what are prevalence numbers like these days, and is the problem getting better or worse? Right. Well, so there's been a great deal of attention to childhood obesity lately, but what's lost in some of the... Uh, attention is just how rapidly this epidemic has evolved. Um, in 1950s, 60s, and even the early 70s, the prevalence of overweight and obesity in children remained essentially flat. And was, something happened in the late 1970s, leading to this dramatic uptick in rates um, from, for the category of obesity from about 5% to now 15 to 20%, depending upon population. And about an equal number of children are in the overweight category. Both of these categories place children at substantially increased risk, both for immediate and long-term complications. So what would some of those complications be? Well, excessive weight in anybody um, uh, affects virtually all organ systems in the body. But that's... Um, takes an especial toll in children whose bodies are still growing and developing, developing, whose organ systems and hormonal and metabolic pathways are being laid down. Um, and of course, they're carrying the burden of excessive weight for many more years in life. Uh, we've heard of the epidemic of type 2 diabetes that's occurring in adolescence, um, so that uh, in our clinic at Children's Hospital Boston, about one in two new cases of diabetes in adolescence is type 2 diabetes. This is historically unprecedented. So at one point, that number would have been essentially zero. Is that right? I never saw a case of type 2 diabetes during my training, my endocrine training, which was, um, you know, I guess it's 15 to 20 years ago. Um, but in addition to type 2 diabetes, uh, uh, there are a number of other chronic conditions which are just now becoming a parent um, of possibly greatest concern is fatty liver. Now, the liver should have virtually no fat in a normal state. Um, the body um, has a, a place to store fat. Fat is needed in the body for health, and that's called fat tissue. But um, beyond a certain point, fat spills out beyond fat tissue and starts entering the bloodstream, in which case it raises triglyceride levels, it enters the muscle, uh, producing a condition called intramyocellular lipids, which 
uh, seem to cause insulin resistance, may contribute to the metabolic syndrome. And then um, especially concerning is excessive fat deposition in the liver, which can cause metabolic problems immediately, but over time can lead to um, inflammation, scarring, what's called fibrosis, cirrhosis, and liver failure. And you're seeing this in children? Uh, a staggeringly high proportion of obese children have evidence of excessive fat buildup in the liver, about one in three. And the most scary aspect of this is that it can go virtually unrecognized, silent, um, like type 2 diabetes, until potentially irreversible organ failure has developed. So we face the prospect of um, uh, many um, people showing up at their doctor's office before their 30th birthday with yellowing of their eyes indicating advanced liver disease. This is such an alarming picture. Now, you, you run a clinic for the treatment of overweight children, so this is more than just an academic enterprise for you. And you've painted a pretty alarming picture of the medical consequences. What about the social and psychological things you see in overweight children? Yes, that's a very good, good question. Um, many of the physical conditions are the most uh, dramatic and apparent and um, um, easily justified to insurance companies for reimbursement. But it's probably the emotional, psychological, and um, uh, and family dynamic impacts that take the greatest toll on children and ultimately motivate um, most of the appointments that we have in our clinic. Um, uh, studies out of Yale and out of um, many other groups have consistently shown increased rates of uh, depression, um, disturbed family dynamics, uh, and then over time, lower educational accomplishment, um, lower earning potential associated with excessive body weight. And um, to some degree that this could be confounding. In other words, we know that um, uh, obesity is more common in poor and impoverished and other disadvantaged communities. Um, but in addition, there seems to be a unique psychosocial stigmatization that occurs around obesity. We, um, you know, we don't blame people for cancer or heart disease uh, or arthritis, but we do blame people for, their, uh, for obesity when all of these conditions have combined genetic, environmental, and behavioral contributions. So let's get back to causes in just a minute. But one thing you, you made mention of in passing early on was it doesn't sound like kids grow out of it. Is that correct? Uh, I'm sorry, kids grow out kids, of... The kids don't grow out of it. That, of, that if a child child is overweight, that there's some need to intervene and, and a pressing need to prevent it because they just don't grow out of it as they grow up. Grow out of being obese? Yes. Well, I mean, there, there certainly are, you know, many individuals who... Um, uh, have a problem in childhood and can, um, well, by, they, especially they by virtue of, of growth, um, you know, show a relative uh, decrease in the uh, degree of mm -hmm. overweight. Right. But um, certainly a problem that begins in childhood that doesn't um, get better um, places that child at increased risk of complications compared to a problem that would develop in adulthood because first the 
problem has uh, existed for so much longer, but it's also taking a toll on body systems during their development. Okay. Um, a very complicated question with an answer that would take hours to, to uh, provide. Um, let me collapse it into three words. What causes it? An excellent question. There are those who would claim that obesity is simply a weakness of character, you know, that if we, you know, if an individual just had the um, discipline to eat less and exercise more, they would lose weight. Is that a defensible position, do you think? Uh, it, it absolutely is not. We know that, again, like other chronic uh, medical conditions, obesity has a strong genetic determinant. Um, there are now over 250 specific genetic uh, loci, uh, places in the genome, um, that uh, are associated with body mass index, or BMI. Uh, and um, with virtually every passing month, a new obesity-related gene is found. Um, and yet genetics don't tell the whole story either, because prevalence rates have increased much faster than our genome has, has mutated um, in the last couple decades. So we have to also turn to the environment. And um, you know, we have really created the perfect storm for excessive weight gain in everybody, but especially children. An invasion of our diet with highly processed fast food, sugar-sweetened beverages, other junk food, cutbacks in physical education at school, design of the inner city, and increasingly of suburbs that make physical activity, leisure time, more and more difficult. Um, so, you know, really, we have plenty if we want to. I don't like to speak in terms of blame um, because, for the most part, patients in our program already blame themselves far too much. Um, but there's certainly plenty of responsibility to spread around throughout all segments of society. So that leaves the culture with the, the dilemma of how to address this issue. And there are some experts in the field who focus on treatment of it and some focus on the prevention of it, and you do both. So how do you uh, believe those two stack up to one another in terms of social importance and where should the emphasis be placed and how do we, how do we decide... Um, the relative balance of those two? Well, in terms of treatment versus uh, prevention, I actually don't see any clear divide. It's a continuous variable. A study out of Denmark last year, Denmark has a, um, a public health service that we really you know, must envy. Uh, they follow individuals from birth, throughout childhood, adulthood, and then ultimately can identify um, when they die, what they died of, and how their health correlated with a range of health exposures throughout life. Um, and a very sobering finding from their um, health service last year, published in the New England Journal of Medicine, indicated that even modest degrees of overweight, even within the so-called normal range, this is um, not just the obese category, it's even below the category we now call overweight. Um, even modest increases in body weight strongly increase risk for heart attack in mid-adulthood. And the categories that they were using as normal um, you know, were much lower than the categories that are being used today as normal um, because the epidemic hadn't really 
um, set in in Denmark at the time of the study. So David, the, the information that you provided argues for an aggressive approach to both treatment and prevention of this problem. And I'd like to get your sense of the elements of your own treatment program at Children's Hospital Boston. But before I ask you that, I'd like to uh, alert the readers to the fact that you've authored a book on childhood obesity for parents that's entitled Ending the Food Fight, Guide Your Child to a Healthy Weight in a Fast Food, Fake Food World which I think was the best book I've ever seen written on the topic and a, and a very helpful guide, so I can highly recommend it. What are the elements of your treatment program? Well, ultimately, we want to be living in a society. We want to help create a society that makes it easier for children and everybody to maintain a healthy weight. But until Washington um, speaks with a clear vision, lining up legislation with public health, it's up to families to create a bastion of protection for children in the home. And um, we focus on three steps. One is, what is the nature of a healthful diet? You know, there's been debate as to whether it should be low fat or low carb, but ultimately um, we focus on foods that are relatively less processed. Um, the less processed a food is, the more nutrients, the more antioxidants, phytochemicals, health-promoting substances it contains, the slower it di digests, and the more sustaining and filling that food will be. Secondly, we need the right physical activity program. Children are not designed to spend 20 minutes on a treadmill. Their bodies can't sustain it, and their minds are, are not developed to focus on one activity for so long. And lastly, we need parenting practices that guide behavior, and reduce conflict. What works for a four-year-old won't for a 14-year-old. Um, two key parenting practices we suggest are protecting the home environment. Simply put, if it doesn't support health, don't bring it in the home. And modeling, which is the natural way that children have always learned from their parents. Uh, especially, uh, there are special benefits for the whole family. Parents lose weight, a lean child uh, avoids a problem, and the overweight child um, is non-stigmatized. Okay. As I, as I mentioned earlier, this is one of the most comprehensive programs around, and there's far too little attention to the issue of childhood obesity. So uh, personally, I'm grateful that you're working on this issue and doing the fine scholarly work you are, but also impressed by the fact that you're actually working with children and their families and care so deeply about them. So thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure, Kelly. So our guest today was Dr. David Ludwig, a physician and scholar at the Harvard Medical School and Children's Hospital, Boston, and the author of the book, Ending the Food Fight, Guide Your Child to a Healthy Weight in a Fast Food, Fake Food World. Uh, please listen to the other podcasts that we're uh, going to be recording with Dr. Ludwig, one on sugared beverages and soda, and the other on the issue of the glycemic index. Thank you.